Do you ever feel sad, anxious, overwhelmed, and reach for food for comfort? Have you tried dieting, but you end up in the same place because you've never dealt with this emotional eating? Are you even aware of why you're eating and that emotional impact that it has on it? So today, you guys get a sneak peek into a health coaching session. And as I talk with Natalie, she talks about her struggle with emotional eating. She also shared after the call that she had been skipping over this emotional eating for her whole life. So she had tried these different diets. She knows so much nutritional information, but it's not helping her get healthy because she hasn't dealt with this emotional eating. And she just doesn't feel good about herself. And she just realized how much work there is to do in this emotional aspect that is affecting her health. So if that is you, I encourage you to tune into this episode and just start to maybe connect a couple pieces for yourself of what you do when emotions pop up and what that has to do with food for you. And if you're ready to start taking that next step forward and find a different way to deal with your emotions in a healthy way, and keep in mind, this is a long journey. As we go through this, if you guys need any help and any support because a lot of times we're stuck in this and we need extra support. We need help because we can't do something different that we don't know. And a lot of times having someone to talk things out with can help to really bring us to that next stepping place. So there's going to be a link down below if you would like to set up a free health coaching call with me and we can start to talk through some of these pieces and find out where you're stuck so that you can actually start moving forward so that you can actually start getting healthy and stay consistent. Hi friends and welcome to the Healthy Beyond 40 show. I'm Michelle, mama four and military wife. I have my doctorate in physical therapy and I'm an online personal trainer, health coach and yoga teacher. Do you wish that you had more energy and could get into shape? Do you feel like you're struggling to lose weight? Maybe you've tried a diet before, but it just wasn't sustainable, and now you don't know how to get started. We're gonna look at health holistically here, and most importantly, keep things simple and quick. If you're ready to develop healthier habits, exercise consistently, and lose weight sustainably without long workouts or following strict diets, then you're in the right place. In this podcast, I bring together my expertise with real life strategies. No magic pill here, so lace up those shoes and get moving. Natalie, hello and welcome to the show today. So go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you and what your life looks like. Okay. Um, so yeah, my name's Natalie. I live in Fresno, California. I'm actually celebrating my 10-year wedding anniversary on Thursday. And my husband and I have a little boy. He, he just turned nine. <laughs> so it's like a lot of uh, big things lately. He just turned nine. Um, my son is autistic, and I only mention that because it's part of what I do in my daily life. About five years ago, I started a support group for moms of autistic kids in the Central Valley of California, and then recently this year expanded it to cover moms of neurodivergent kids. And I also am a podcast host. I have a podcast called Rad Mom Radio. I've been doing that for about a year and a half now. Yeah. And congratulations on the anniversary coming up. That's exciting. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit about your health and where your main struggles are right now. 
So right now I'm kind of in this new place of, you know, I've struggled with disordered eating since I was like eight years old and I have been diagnosed with an eating disorder, like in my teen years, dieting for me has always been an extreme thing. It's never been something that I've treated with moderation. It's either like fasting or binge eating. And I would say this is the first time in my life where I've approached it like, okay, we're going to eat three meals a day. We're not going to restrict anything because I know for me, like psychologically, if I tell myself I can't have a food that That's the only food I'm going to think about. What I'm coming across mostly right now is all the emotions that are coming up because I'm not using food to deal with my emotions. So that's been, that's been a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And that's huge that you recognize that, that you're now not using food to deal with your emotions because that's how most of us do. And we sort of grow up that way. And a lot of us can relate to maybe when we were sad as a kid, we fell down and got hurt. Our parents gave us some type of food, a lollipop or something. And so it's in in our brain that that's what we do when we feel certain ways. So if you feel comfortable, could you share some of the feelings that you have that you typically emotionally eat? Mm -hmm. I'm overwhelmed for sure. So if I've got a lot of things coming up or a lot of things that I have to do, that's definitely like when I want to check out and my go-to for checking out has always been food. So for me, it's like if if life is too busy or if I've got things coming up that are maybe new and I can't control what it looks like or know all of the information I want to know ahead of time. And then two things like, if, you know, I think a lot of it is anxiety. Anxiety is probably the biggest one for me. Yeah. And so when you're feeling anxiety, can you tell me what that sort of feels like in your body? Are there any sensations? I would say I definitely feel restless when I'm anxious. I tend to not sleep as well. I can't focus as much. I'm trying to think of where I feel it in my body. Yeah, probably in my chest, in my jaw, you know, things feel more tense. Yeah. And that's something important to keep in mind because typically that sensation, most of us aren't used to turning into our body and noticing that, Mm -hmm. but feeling that in your chest, feeling it in your jaw is almost that first sign before you become cognitively aware that your body is experiencing anxiety. Then we get to that point where we feel restless, where we can't sleep Mm -hmm. and we can't focus, but those sensations typically pop up first. Mm -hmm. So when you're feeling that in your chest or in your jaw and you're feeling that anxiety. And I know with the overwhelm, you also mentioned like not feeling in control. Yeah. And that can also be part of anxiety too. So when you're feeling that way and you go to reach for food, what food are you reaching for? And then how does that food make you feel? Um, It's typically what people would consider like comfort food. It could be savory things it could also be sweet things food has always made me feel like I could zone out and I I discovered that when I was eight you know I lived in a pretty chaotic household and nobody really monitored what anybody ate and so 
that that was when I first learned like, oh, food makes me feel less anxious. That buildup of anxiety goes away. So that's kind of always been, and of course it's cyclical because then once you use the food and you feel bad, it just keeps going and going. But yeah, it in the moment, it is a way to check out. Yeah, to zone out. Mm-hmm. And even a lot of times we can get a hit of dopamine when we're eating something sweet mm-hmm. or even savory. And it does make us feel better temporarily. Yeah. But like you're sort of saying that feeling doesn't last. And then you are left in this cycle of emotional eating and not really dealing with that anxiety. So that anxiety is the source. Yeah. And most of us, even me growing up, I didn't know how to deal with my anxiety or my other emotions. I was taught I'm okay. That's fine. Like, and when you don't deal with that, it continues to build and build Mm -hmm. and you seek out these other coping mechanisms that typically aren't helpful, really getting to that root of that problem. So has there been anything that you have used that's helpful when you're feeling anxiety that doesn't have to do with food? So that's kind of like what I'm working on right now. I feel like I, I feel like a baby right now. Like I feel like everything is new. I feel like I'm learning how to distinguish when I'm hungry versus when I just want to eat. But I think I don't want to get emotional about it, but I think that part of it is a desire for comfort. And I think that that desire comes from not growing up with comfort, not growing up with being nurtured or being comforted when I wasn't feeling good. And so I'm trying to find ways to comfort myself that don't have to do with food. So it doesn't necessarily address, well, I mean, eating food doesn't address the anxiety either. I guess what I would say what I'm doing is trying to do things that make me feel soothed. So mm-hmm. like I've started to do like a skincare routine at night. I bought like a tea I really like. And to me, those things always sounded really cheesy when people would say them like, oh, just do, you know, some self-care. I want to roll my eyes, but it actually has been very soothing for me and has helped me like connect with my body a little bit better, you know? So I guess all of that to say is like finding things that I find soothing. Yes. Self like skincare, tea, stuff like that. And that's perfect. And I love how you sort of referred to yourself as a baby, because if you haven't done it before, it is new and it's going to take a while. But I also love how you have put together for yourself that you're finding things that seek comfort because when you're feeling anxious, that's what you actually need. So you're feeling that anxiety. That's what you actually need. And one tip is just how we mentioned you felt it in your chest and your jaw. And after we get off this call, you may notice it in your body and other spots. If you can start to notice that anxiety quicker and sooner, and especially those bodily Mm -hmm. signs, and you might have common thoughts that come with it. If you can start to notice that sooner and sort of have this list of things Mm -hmm. that you can do to take care of yourself instead. And keep in mind that it takes a long time to retrain your brain. It's not typically like the 21 or 31 days for a new habit. It's going to take months, maybe even years. But the Mm -hmm. more you keep doing something else and getting out of that habit your brain is in, the better you are going to have of sticking with that. So I think coming up with a list, and you already have two things, the skincare and the tea, So helping to really build out that list. So I'm going to throw out some other ideas and you tell me what 
sounds good for you. And then even after this call, coming up with more. So mm -hmm. some other things. One thing I love is deep belly breathing. And this is where you actually learn how to take a deep belly breath. So not just breathing from the chest, which if you probably notice when you're anxious, your breaths are shorter and quicker. Yeah. But if you're like totally relaxed watching TV, your breath is slower and easier. And so our breath is automatic, but we can also regulate it. So when we regulate our breath and come into that more relaxed state and slow it down, then it, it can change everything. And I even mm -hmm. do this with my kids. I'm like, it puts on your thinking brain when you take a deep breath, because when we're in that anxious state and we're breathing fast, we're not thinking clearly. So simple things is learning how to take deep breaths. And the thing I love about deep breathing is you can do it anywhere when you're driving or you're having a hard conversation with someone, whatever it is, you can just slow and take some deep belly breaths. So that is good. And also as you were talking and getting a little choked up, releasing tears is good. Feeling our feelings is good. And it's almost like we've been taught that we shouldn't do that or we should be okay mm -hmm. or this isn't that bad. But yeah. when we can really let those feelings come out, so whether that's through journaling or obviously I do that in coaching with people, but having a way to express your feelings, get those out and not hold them back is going to release you of so much. So some people prefer journaling, some talking, but being really raw and open when you're doing this. So especially if you're journaling, it can be something that you probably want to tear up after because maybe you're going to have things to say about people that you don't want them to hear. And it doesn't mean those things are necessarily true, but it's almost like venting and getting it out. And it may even be things about yourself that you don't feel great about, but venting, getting those out, tearing it up and moving on, but coming back to that positive place of those thoughts that I want, where do I want to go and keeping that in mind. And then another thing that also can be helpful is movement. And just in the sense of getting up and walking, because it's something we can control. And it also releases energy. I know sometimes when I am feeling anxious, I feel it in my chest too. And I just feel this ball of energy. And if I can pause and be in tune with my body, I'm like, I literally feel like I need to move. So sometimes just shaking your arms and leg, getting up, walking. Sometimes I'll do a couple jumps, but tuning in and releasing some of that energy is really what's also natural in our body and as a human race as it's developed is we used to release more of that energy. And it doesn't have to be anything super physical, but sometimes literally just moving, that motion is going to change your emotions. Mm -hmm. So doing something. So I gave deep breathing, journaling, motion or movement. So what are your thoughts on those? Did any one of those pop out to you? I definitely need to do better with letting my emotions out. I definitely, in my brain, feel like, well, you're doing a podcast. Don't cry on her podcast. <laughs> you know? So definitely that. I like the the movement one because I like that it doesn't have to. I think for me, I've always thought of exercises like you need to know how many calories you burned. You need to make it more strenuous each time. Like, I, I don't know where I got that from, but I've always had this like, you have to push it harder. So the idea of just moving without necessarily worrying about performance or like calories burned. Yeah. I like the idea of that, that takes a lot of pressure off. Yeah. Yeah. And the idea of just really like releasing 
that energy from your body. And yeah, and it sort of goes back to, and it, it might stem from, you know, the issues with food when you were young is a lot of people will start to have that negative thoughts with exercise. Like I ate this, so now I'm going to work this off. And we yeah. develop that negative relationship, not only with food, but with exercise. So it can be helpful to start with the idea of movement. And so I split movement and exercise as two different things. So movement is just moving your body, getting your steps in, because our bodies are meant to move. We live in a sedentary society. So we have to be more intentional about just getting up and moving. So keeping that movement piece separate from exercise, and that can be a good starting point for your health journey, but also for this of releasing some of your anxiety and doing something else with those sensations that you're feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. All right. So, so getting started with this, we talked about noticing those sensations in your body, noticing if there's any feelings or thoughts that are popping up and really tuning into the anxiety and developing this list of things that you can do. So on this list, you want things that you can do anywhere that are quick. And you also want things that might take longer. Maybe you only do once a week, once a month, but having those things that really help to do that and not avoiding the emotions is huge. And it's, and that will definitely be a journey and a learning process. I feel like I've been on that journey for like over 10 years now, because it's just not something I was taught and you'll find different tools along the way, but it's important to not give up on it and just keep accumulating some different tools and different things that really do ground you. Any questions so far? Not that I can think of. And I think the idea of starting with this emotional eating, you know, our health is a journey and we have to have a starting point and we build from it. And when we try to do too much, we don't see that progress. But just imagine for yourself, if you could sort of tackle this emotional eating and come to a point where it feels more in control. And that mm -hmm. doesn't mean that you're not going to have a sweet or something savory. But when you have those things, you're going to be able to choose those with intention. So you're not letting your emotionals rule. You are choosing that with intention like, hey, we're going out for dinner and I am going to have this. Mm -hmm. And when you can start to be more intentional with it, that's that's where we want to be so that it is not controlling us, but we have control of that. And it does take some time. But people who struggle with emotional eating or sugar cravings, those type of things, if you can get that sort of in control and we're in a place where you feel more confident, then I think you can start to work on those other pieces of your health. Like, how do I want to tweak my nutrition? Do I need to add more fiber? Do I need to start to get exercise in? Then you can add those other things, but it's sort of having this strong foundation of eating mm -hmm. first and having that better relationship with it. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for sharing today and just being raw and honest with us because a lot of people out there, I know, struggle with this and really mm -hmm. struggle with the idea of a lot of us haven't learned how to handle our emotions and our feelings and it affects our health. So for mm -hmm. some people, it might affect the food you're putting into your mouth. It can affect your stress levels, which affect your heart and the inside of your body. So this is really a huge topic that can encompass so many parts of our health. So just thank you for sharing and just being really open and honest with us. And tell us a little bit more about your podcast. And I'll include that in the description below so people can check it out. 
Yeah, so it's called Rad Mom Radio. I, I just really have a passion for setting aside space for moms. I feel like a lot of the time moms won't set space aside for themselves. The rest of the world won't set aside that space either. So I feel like it's been a real blessing to be able to to create that space and just talk to all kinds of different moms. I do have a special, you know, like a soft spot for neurodivergent moms, um, but I've interviewed all kinds of moms. It's been a lot of fun. It's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. And that will be in the description down below. So if you are a mom, check that out. I hope that you guys took something away from this episode. But if you are not actually sure what your next step is, or if weeks from now you still haven't made any progress, and if you're ready to dig deep and get to the root of your emotional eating, freedom may just be a phone call away. So I encourage you to set up a free health coaching call with me and start to work through this process so you can get out of this vicious cycle of emotional eating and have true freedom and have confidence. There's gonna be a link down in the description below where you can set up your free call and take that first step forward.